Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. And keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south, but you can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again, twist a little bit deeper because I got thick skin. Welcome in to After the Snap. I am your host along with my trusty co-host, Blake Ferguson here with Reed Ferguson. What is going on, dude? Hey, um, I just want to let you know I woke up this morning and it was 43 degrees outside. Well, I tell you what, I have one I have one to one up you, and I'm actually very glad that you brought that up. It was 93 degrees today out at football practice, and it felt it's funny because when the when the sun goes down more recently like this past week it's actually cooled off whereas normally it is still hot even though the sun is down because of that i was feeling a little bit in the fall mood and with october rolling around i went to publix yesterday and i purchased two pumpkins Oh my goodness. Feeling very festive. Wow. You and Erica are must be vibing on the same wavelength. I also we've got all our fall decorations out in the house. She did it after the Dolphins game. I mean after the Steelers game. Oh wow. That's they've early. been out for three weeks. Two but and see, a half weeks. It probably feels much more fall up there right at that point in time than it does here right now. Correct. But also I purchased blueberry muffin mix. And I made blueberry muffins yesterday. You're nuts. I was feeling very fall festive, and that's where I'm at. So, so blueberry muffins are fall? I don't know. Because I, I had a blueberry muffin last week. I don't know. Maybe I, I guess a pumpkin muffin would have been more suitable, but I didn't really want a pumpkin muffin. I wanted a blueberry muffin. So I, Well, you can buy blueberry I, muffin mix in March. Anyway, okay, so waking up, well, one more thing. Waking up, it was 43 degrees outside. I was like, man, this is amazing. It's hoodie season. Hoodie with shorts on is the greatest weather known to man. Anyway, it reminded me of last year, week two, when we traveled down to uh, Miami. And that morning, I remember texting you and I said, I have frost on my windshield this morning. I recall that. And then we flew down to Miami that afternoon, and it was, I don't know, we landed and it was, what, 90 degrees. And I couldn't, it's just the contrast between the two degrees of of temperature in both areas was astounding. But that's what it felt like this morning. I think my favorite part of that story is that you had to change your entire uniform at halftime of the game because you were so sweaty. Well, that and it rained, so cut me some slack. Oh, first half rain. I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, I guess I will have to cut you some slack on that one. That The rain is tough, and, and those uniforms soak up so much water. Speaking of football, that's why we're all here, right? Let's get into the weekend recap. We need to, we need to come up with a weekend recap sound. We need a filler. Yes. 
we will have that soon. Anyway, weekend recap. Yes, weekend recap. Buffalo Bills were home, 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 home correct, and played the Washington football team. Yes, the very fierce, fierce football mascot. Team. Yes, football team. Um, it was not. We had a blast. It, it was not particularly close. Uh, and no. Well, for a little bit. It was yep. close after that wild kickoff. I don't know if you've seen it. I have. I actually it was, watched it. I, I have never it I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. The ball, I mean, it was very windy. I mean, I you probably saw on film like one of my punt snaps was like like blue to the left of Matt because it was so wind it was so wind like Matt was like it was coming right at me and then it dove at the last second like it was so windy, but you know, coming in, you know, from the scoreboard end zone uh, of our stadium is coming off the lake. So, kicking off to the scoreboard is always uh, troubling. Dustin Hopkins goes, he kicks off. They had just scored a long touchdown, like kind of seventy something yards, maybe. And they come, they line up for the kickoff. He kicks it off, and it's it's high, it's hanging up there, and it gets to like the twenty yard line and just hits a wall. And just basically falls almost straight down. I've never seen anything like it before. That's wild. So I mean, and they he, got you know lucky bounce and everything. They recovered. He, actually, he recovered it. He, he recovered, recovered it. it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was lucky break for them. I've never seen anything like that before. But yeah, no, it was crazy. It was uh, it was a great game. Fun. You know, I, I feel like the offenses uh, kind of found their groove between last week and this week. So uh, back to kicking a lot of extra points, which is what you like to see. Last thing on the Bills game, producer Chris, were you in the billing for this one? Nope, I was at work. Uh, I did happen to be in the break room for that kick. It was in, I've never seen anything like that. My initial thought was it's probably like so windy that Isaiah figured if he ran to catch it, he would have had just as much of an issue holding on to it running and might have you know i don't i can't remember if there's a blocker in front of him so if he was running at you know like half speed he might have caught it and ran into one of his own players or into a block and potential fumble so i thought he was made the right decision to let it bounce it just insane that it bounced backwards yeah yeah, yeah it was a, i mean it was a perfect storm pretty much which is just wild i mean you hate to see something like that happen at home but luckily it it uh didn't cost us the game so yeah, good time, packed house. It was awesome. So when I got home uh, that you know Sunday afternoon, I was able to catch the second half of y'all's game. Unfortunately, the result obviously not what you want, but it was from a uh, from an outsider's perspective a great football game to watch on TV. Yeah, we for our listeners who are not updated on what took place. We went to Las Vegas this past weekend for the second year in a row, actually. We played them in Vegas last year, day after Christmas, kicked a game-winning game, kicked a game winning field goal. That's right. That's right. And How much better was it with fans this time? Because it was awesome playing there last year. I mean, we played there too. It was really cool stadium, you know, great atmosphere kind of without fans, obviously. But really, you know, pristine grass. We played there pretty early in the season. So, great stadium. I can only imagine the the Raiders fans were insane. Yes, it was 10 times better with fans. And it's it's funny because 
the game started with us running out and we're getting ready for the opening kickoff of the first half. And here comes Bruce Buffer to do the game intro. Oh my goodness. Like the, the UFC boxing legend in corner number <laughs> one, that, that guy, he, he was doing the Miami Dolphin. It was awesome. It's pretty Absolutely good uh, impersonation there. Awesome. It was the coolest thing ever. And I felt like, I don't know if you saw, I believe it was the, was it a Monday night game when the uh, Ravens played the Chiefs? Ray Lewis came out and did his little thing and yep. they showed Patrick Mahomes on the sideline getting fired up to yeah, it. Yeah. Like all the Chiefs yep. players were getting fired up to, to Ray Lewis and all the Ravens fans getting, you know, that's what I felt like on the Dolphins sideline. He was hyping up everybody in the crowd, which was mostly Raider fans. Mm-hmm. But I I was getting hyped up myself. It was it was pretty freaking cool. So, uh, but I will say that it was interesting because in Vegas there are so many new football fans that not a lot of them know like the how a football game goes. They were like the the Raiders were in the red zone a few times and they were getting louder when they had the ball in the red zone because they were excited about football and whatever. Um, but it was, it was funny because there was a point where it was late in the game. Um, they had the ball again and Derek Carr was like trying to, was like using his arms to like quiet the crowd and they got louder. <laughs> that was insane. <laughs> they got louder. And, and so finally he just went to the line of scrimmage and got the ball snapped. But I was talking to AJ Cole and Daniel Carlson and they were telling me that there's probably half of those people have never been to a football game before, like an NFL game before. Yeah. So they don't know how, you know, they don't know when to be loud. They don't know. That's uh, interesting. I didn't ever, I did not think I, I I wouldn't have thought about that now with, with them being in a new city. Yeah. They said that, uh, on the Monday night football game that they played against, Maybe that was the Monday Night Football game against the Ravens. They played the the Steelers. Well, and the, the, Ravens. the Raiders and Ravens played the first week on Monday Night Football, and I think Chiefs Ravens was maybe Sunday Night Sunday Week night Two football. or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was. They were both primetime games. They were just telling me that Derek Carr was trying to do the same thing, and there were fans in the stands like doing it back to them, like they were mocking the Ravens, like being a bird. Oh my god. He was like he was like flapping his arms down to try and quiet the crowd and they were like doing like the Raiders fans were like doing it back to him. That was that was quite entertaining. Uh despite our double overtime uh loss, we had a very good time and really enjoyed playing in that stadium again because it it's magnificent. Very cool. Well, uh wrapping up the uh the weekend review, uh we want to give a big shout out to are after the snap clutch snap of the week. And I think this was a pretty easy decision, but we came to the conclusion that Nick Moore of the Baltimore Ravens, first year snapper, uh, big, 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 huge, big time snap, uh, game winning 66 yard field goal. Record setting. uh, Record setting, NFL record, uh, game winning field goal snap against the Lions um, in Detroit. So it was in a dome which is, you know, probably unless you have the wind at your back, 
a dome is ideal conditions. Um, so it's pretty cool. I know people have probably seen the video, but Justin Tucker actually took an extra like half step backwards and like ran in. He like took like a hop step, like a kickoff step kind of into uh, kicking the field goal. It bounced on the crossbar and bounced in. So uh, if you watch a slow, I did see, I saw slow-mo from like the side angle where you can see the ball rotating end over end. And just, I mean, just imagine if they're like, you know, if he kicks that like a little higher or a little more straight, right? And it hits a different spot on the ball, that bounces out, 100%. right? It hits it hits the bar at a different angle and bounces out. So just crazy. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's one of the best kickers in NFL history. So, you know, I guess if it was ever going to happen to anybody, it would have been Justin Tucker, but. Uh, yep, congrats to Nick uh, after the snap, clutch snap of the week. Well, we have two huge topics we want to cover this week, both out of the football world. Surprise, surprise. First one, staying in the NFL, being that, and you might have seen the headline, Dallas Cowboys tackle and former teammate of yours, Reed, yep. Lyle Collins, was suspended for five games after attempting to bribe an NFL drug test collector. I will say that when I saw the headline, I was confused. And I was like, what in the world? Like, how in the world does that even happen? It sounds like there were some things that led to this actually taking place. I saw this story. I know we had talked about it during the week that we wanted to bring it up on the podcast. I think this is probably, I wanted to take the angle as walking people through kind of what the drug test policy is. Cause I'm not sure a ton of people are familiar with, with the policy itself and how available we have to be. So well, before I get into that, yeah. well, yeah, let's yeah before start I there. get into that, I didn't know if you had, you wanted to just start there. So uh, yeah, let's start there. Yeah, I mean, in terms of you know, I mean, a couple of things that come to my mind. I mean, when you get in, when you get signed first thing off into the into the NFL uh, as a rookie, you ba- they basically take you through an onboarding process where you have to go on this website and they have a login made for you, and you basically have to go in. That's your login for your career. You basically have to log in a couple times a year or or however many times you travel. You have to constantly update them where you you know where you where you're at, your off season mailing address, your in season mailing address, contact information, any trips you may go on. You know if you're if you're flying home for the bye week, you have to put when you're leaving, what city you're going to, when you're coming back, what date you're returning, and are you returning to your in season address? It can be challenging to. Remember, you know, every time you travel, because if you don't, if you're a guy that doesn't may not, you may not leave for the bye week. So after the season's over, you may forget to say, okay, well, I'm traveling, you know, for, for example, for, for me, I may forget to say, okay, well, I'm traveling back 13 hours South to Atlanta for the next three and a half months of the off season. I haven't gone on the website since July to say I was going back for training camp, right? This is a well-known concern for guys across the league. It's just not. And that kind of gets me to my next point about the grace period. So when they reach out to you, 
So somebody will contact you and say, Hey, this is John Doe from the testing, from the drug testing agency. I am in this city and I need, you're scheduled for a drug test. You know, what's today? September 29th. You're scheduled for a drug test on September 30th between 9 and 12 a.m. And I say, okay, well, I'm in California, right? I'm not in Buffalo, New York. And he's going to say, okay, well, thank you for letting me know. We'll have somebody reach out to you that is in that area or whatever. You know, you can get up, you have to tell them where you are. They basically have people all across the country. It's nuts. It's a huge network. It's a company that that contracts with the NFL so that they, they're not actually NFL employees. But go ahead. They'll actually they'll actually f- like have somebody in like if you're in the Bahamas, they will have somebody yes. drug test you in the Bahamas. If you're Correct. in if you're in Europe, they will Correct. drug test you in Paris, France. They will find you. <laughs> yes. It's at that and that was I was I was going to get to that, but thanks for pointing it out. It's it's the wide net is so wide that they will literally have somebody anywhere that you could possibly get to. It's it's pretty crazy. But you know, when they reach out to you, you basically have 24 hours to respond and they email you, they text you, they call you, they kind of, they use all forms of uh, communication that are given to them through this website. If you don't respond, it's considered a negative test and you basically are subject to any kind of... Be considered a positive test. A positive, sorry, a positive test, a negative showing positive test. Uh, and you're basically subject to any... Consequences. Consequences, sorry, I couldn't think of the word, for thus giving a positive test. And I'm not really sure just because I don't know anybody that's missed and I obviously haven't missed myself. I don't know if you miss, if they they obviously considered it a positive. I think they're, I don't want to say because I don't know. I don't know if there's some kind of grace like, a, okay, here's your one warning. Here's your one warning missed test. I don't even know if they do that. It probably is up to the collector. We have the same two collectors that are in our facility yep. every day. And so it probably depends on him if he wants to. And in to the off season, they probably like the whole Miami area, right? Because yeah. we've got guys up here or the guy in Atlanta that's come to my house a couple times. I asked him once, like when he first came uh, and he said he does like the whole area, uh, like the whole West Atlanta area covering, you know, who, who know. I mean, you know how big Atlanta is yeah. covering who knows how many, you know, hours of travel. Yeah. These guys, they cover so much, so much ground. I think it's also important to note because it's commonly misconceived that the drug tests that they do are actually different tests depending on what time of year it is. So for our tests at the beginning of training camp, they test for not only performance enhancing drugs, but that's the banned substance test as well. They do that once a year. Uh, The street drug? The, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It's once. Yeah. You you said it right. Yeah. Once Once a year, year. it's like a two or three week period. Yep. And then they don't test you again until the next year. And then for performance enhancing drugs, they can test you as much as they want randomly throughout the season or the the year, obviously, if Correct. you're in the off season, you're, you're traveling wherever. For like, PEDs. Like we just talked about for yep. performance enhancing drugs. Yes. It was interesting to me. I, so last year, my rookie year, I had 
beside the, the first test at the beginning of training camp that everybody does, I had nine <laughs> random PED tests last year alone. That, last, that is, like that's during, insane. During the season. This that's is, insane. This is across 17 weeks. So you're looking at more than once every two weeks. Like literally every other week I was getting my doing a drug test. That's wild. Which, I don't know. Yeah, that that is crazy. I'm sh- I'm sure they do a random whatever. You're snapping so well. I mean, they had no choice, right? It's either that or they know that I'm going to pass. <laughs> <laughs> they want to up the percentage. So, well, either um, but it was it was funny to me cuz I was like, man, uh, literally he was texting me like, "Hey man, I'm sorry to do this to you, but <laughs> Oh jeez. Like he even knew. That's crazy. Yes. That's yes. And um, so that was I, I thought I sh- I thought I should throw that in there, but I think we should get back to this story because it really the more you the more you look at it, the more interesting it is. So he originally was suspended for for five games for missing what was says multiple missed tests. I'm reading this ESPN article on it. He appealed the suspension. And they were going to bring it down to a two-game suspension. And then when they found out that he tried to bribe the testing collector, they upped it back to five games. So it went down to two. It went down to two, which usually if you appeal like fines or whatever, those usually – if you appeal them – They'll usually bring it bring it down some, but you're not going to get out of it totally. And it sounds like the same same thing happened here. Once they actually investigated it, it sounds like he when he when they found out that he was trying to bribe the guy, or I guess it would be a guy, the guy that they just held, they went back to the five game suspension. It also says that it, it that he, it was believed that he had or he believed that he had legitimate reasons for missing oh it says seven drug tests one of which was scheduled for the day that Cowboys strength strength and conditioning coach Marcus Paul passed away in November and then it also says that he missed another drug test the day of his uncle's funeral it seems like that there are some interesting I don't know if it's a coincidence or or what I don't know that there's any excuse for missing seven drug tests Yes, seven is a bit egregious, I think. That seems extreme. For a little bit of history, this isn't the first time that a player has tried to get around the league policy. There's, I mean, you hear about it all the time, but this article in particular mentions the 2013 when Von Miller was trying to corrupt the drug testing program with, I think, fake urine or some sort of other substance going into the cup, which yep. is not to get too into the into the details, but it's pretty hard to fake a, the drug test. No, but I, I mean, it's this is this is uh, definitely a crazy story. It's not like it's it seems like it would just would just probably just be a one off. Like I don't really know how many guys out there are bribing. The drug test collector, like ninety nine percent of guys, show up for the show up on time. They do it. They pee. They pass a test. Like that's it. And and this is the last thing I'll say about it. The drug test collector guy has to have a number 
that he would take, he would have taken, right? Like, <laughs> like everyone's got a, everyone's got a, everyone's a, got a number. Everyone's yes. got a price. Everyone's got a number. Like, <laughs> and Lyle has made a lot of money. So clearly the number wasn't high enough or his number was too high. I guess I should say. Yeah. Anyway. I don't want to, I don't want to play this game, but we, I have to now like the what if game. What if you were the P collector? What's your number? Chris, I want you to chime in. If I'm the collector, I have to look at, I would have to think about it, look up Lyle Collins' contract <laughs> and what he makes Smart and then man. Base, base it off of, base of, off of that. Like if he was making like uh, top tackle money, that bribe's going to come at a premium for sure. Maybe like $100,000 cash. I was thinking close to 50, but. 50 was my number. It's going to have to be a pretty penny. I would say that there's a lot that goes into that because not only do you have to. Well, I know. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying, yeah, I know what you're about to say. Like you have to get P, you have to, yeah, you have to like send it off. I get that. Like all things equal. I'll go 50 G's. What's your number to walk away and say, yes, he was there. 50 G's. 50 G's. I think 50 G's. All right. Anyway, enough about. Speaking of, speaking of crazy stories. We yeah. also have another potentially even crazier story. I think this is crazier. This is one that when I saw it, I immediately screenshotted it and sent it to you and Chris because I was like, we have to have to talk about this on the pod. It is some news out of college football, out of the Big Ten, particularly Ohio State. Linebacker Kayvon Pope has been dismissed from the team. Actually, I take that back. He quit the team during a game and then was dismissed from the team thereafter and has now entered the transfer portal. Let's do a deep dive into this because this one is 100% crazier than the Lyle Collins story. So I think so too. So this they're playing Akron, right? Correct. They, not a very good opponent and should have been a game where everybody gets playing time. Apparently senior linebacker Kayvon Pope was unhappy with his reps that he had gotten throughout the beginning of the season in that game and went on a tirade mid game quit. And then afterward he, I I believe it was actually during the game during he, the game, he, he tweeted out some choice Expletive. some choice words choice about words. Ohio State and said good <laughs> good luck to my teammates. And then following, deleted deleted that deleted the yep. original tweet and then tweeted yep. good luck. Yeah. So then Ryan Day, who is the Ohio State head coach, has no choice in in my head has no choice but to dismiss him from the program to which he Kayvon Pope released a statement and it sounded very cookie cutter. Just, you know, let my emotions get the best of me for that. I want to apologize, made a mistake and know that I need to be better and do better. I'm going to take this time to reflect and work on my mental well-being. Did Ryan Day have another choice? I don't think so. Like you kind of alluded to, I I think it's just a simple, Hey, this isn't working out. (laughs) Right. It's not, like it's this not, not me, it's, it's not me, it's you. It's not working out. 
and when I read a little more into the into the issue or the topic, he wasn't a starter as far as I saw. He had played a lot of played in a lot of games, like thirty something games, probably special teams or blowout wins. He probably you know played some defense. But my big thing is this isn't just a quitting the Ohio State football team didn't just pop into his mind on Saturday in the fourth quarter or the third quarter or whatever it was, right? This clearly has been building up, similar to a la Vontae Davis a couple years ago. I was right. It's not just like actually, a it's not just gonna, uh, it's not just a game day thing that just pop you're just yeah, I'm gonna quit the team today. Right? It's like, well, I don't really feel like playing football anymore. That's just not how it goes, right? You don't quit on the game that you love that you've played your whole life like the day of I think this was probably a built up thing which leads me to another question that I was asking myself like was he aware of the game plan like going into the game against Akron like his teammate waved him off like was he trying to run on on a sub package that he knew he wasn't in on like I haven't seen the game film like obviously I can't I don't have access to Ohio State film but was he trying to force his way on the field? Was he, you know, was it a blowout? Was he like, hey, buddy, let me get some reps? I don't know. I mean, it's it It seems like he would know the game plan and know like, hey, we're going to, you know, if, if we're up by four scores in the fourth quarter, we're going to get, we're going to get you guys some game time, just like he clearly has in 30-something games the rest of his career. Like, if you don't understand the game plan and when you could possibly enter a game, I don't know, it's it, – it seems it just seems a little weird to me that he would pick that specific moment of being waved off the field by his teammate when clearly, I mean, clearly he wasn't needed on the field. That was my thought. I mean, it's no Ryan Day didn't have another choice. I mean, I, I don't, you don't do that, tweet that, and then keep your helmet. It just doesn't. You clean out your locker the next day or yeah. that night, actually, probably just take everything. See you later. I spent some time in college football during the transfer portal period. And I saw several players go into the portal and then come out of the portal and return to the team. Is After that not being able to find another team? Correct. Okay. Is that possible for Kayvon Pope? I don't know. He quit on his team. He walked off the field. From a teammate, like through, from a he teammate he, perspective, I wouldn't want him to come back. That's what I'm saying. His Whether Ryan Day wants him back or not, his teammates are not going to want – who wants to play with that guy? The, you think the team captains, whoever they are, you would think they want him back on the field? I wouldn't trust him on the field to, 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 to do the right – what one, to play hard, and two, to do his assignment. I think it's it would be one thing if the kid was a freshman, but he's not. He's a senior – who the coaching staff knows and he himself knows that there are other players on that team looking up to him. You cannot have that from somebody who's supposed to be an upperclassman on your team. I do wish him all the best. Like I, w- I hope mistakes happen, things happen. Sometimes you let your, your, the heat of the moment get the best of you. I, at Ohio State, I don't, I don't think that that's possible. Reed, who did it better, this guy or Vontae Davis? <laughs> That's a great question. I'll tell you what, I didn't even know the Vontae Davis thing happened until after the game was over. Well, like, I, I I, had no idea. Apparently. Somebody told me after the game. Like, we had left the locker room. 
And I had no idea. Like, and then I thought about it and I thought about, I think Lafayette Pitts was a guy that was like our fourth corner in that game or something. Cause it was like the second game of the season. First home game. Yeah. First home game of the, of the 2018 season. It's the second game of the season. The, I heard the news after the game, Fonte quit at halftime. And I was like, what? I have never heard of that. And then I thought back and I was like, wait, I saw Pitsy playing corner in the second half. Cause like somebody else was hurt. It made sense, but oh, I mean, it, it, it just didn't. I didn't add. I didn't put two and two together when I saw Pitts playing corner. It sounds like so, Kayvon, It sounds like Kayvon Pope might have made it a little more obvious when he did. Sounds his, like it. His at uh, least Vontae like went in with us at halftime, and then he just stayed in the locker room. I think he just stayed in, got undressed, and like packed his stuff and left. Can you imagine like being like tailgating and you see like. Vontae Davis drive away in his car, and it's like uh, the kickoff for the third quarter. I'm thinking about the parking guy. You're like, aren't you supposed to be like on the field? I'm thinking about the the parking guy that's the attendant for the players lot. Yeah, and he's, he's like, watching, uh, I'm going home. He's, he's watching this car leave <laughs> at halftime, like leave during the game, and he's like, "That's not supposed to. <laughs> that's not supposed to happen." Yep. But I do – there's one more thing that I do want to touch on just because I think that this is important. Going back to the Kayvon Pope thing, is this a question of is him quitting at halftime and and entering the transfer portal after being dismissed from the team? Is this a bigger issue or question of a bigger issue across college athletics because of the transfer portal? I have to say yes. Is the transfer right, portal causing, causing more harm than it is good? I don't know about more harm than good. I think the transfer portal is causing more volatility across the college football landscape because guys know that, okay, I was uh, well, I was a three or a four or maybe a five-star guy coming out of high school. Like, There's other schools that know about me. There's other schools that offered me. There's other schools out there that wanted me to come play for them. This school is not, you know, I'm not playing as a freshman. They told me I'd get playing time. Transfer portal. The thought of waiting out and working hard and earning your position at the school that you gave your commitment to is slowly being lost. And I get the I get the other side of the argument where people always say, well, what about the coaches? They always leave for other jobs. I get that, but I don't know. It's a tough because I, I totally understand both sides of it, and they totally make sense. But One I think that, from a player's perspective, when you're you're trying to earn playing time and earn a job that you signed there and, and decided to go to school there, you have to honor that commitment. And I think co- coaching is maybe just, maybe just different. I don't really know, but it's tough. But I, I do think the transfer portal is causing – more volatility in the college football world with players than, than before it was instituted. I I would agree. And that's partially why I asked the question because I knew that the overwhelming majority feel like, or at least the overwhelming majority of the people I've talked to, feel like that the transfer portal has given the this generation of athletes this sense of, well, I'm not getting any playing time here. I'll just throw my name in the hat and see who else 
you know, is going to want me because of the Justin Fields, because of the Jalen Hurts, because of the few people who have done it and done it successfully. For those few, there are there are 30 athletes who have for one of them for, there's 30 people who have not had any kind of success with the transfer portal. And so I would just say that there's just this sort of sense of I can just see see what, you know, the transfer portal has for me and if not then I'll just, you know, I'll just come back to come back to my school. The school is kind of like it reminds to- me of the it reminds me of the NBA draft for college guys now. Like they can test the waters, and yeah. if they don't get drafted, come back. Like LSU has got has had guys do that. So, um, right. which you know, but whatever. I, think, I don't really have any thoughts on that, to be honest. I think it's. I think from a. I think I'm probably leaning towards like it's not cool because it's like, well, you wanted to leave, you didn't want to play here anymore, but you're also taking advantage of potential draft stock. So, like, it's it's a weird conundrum. Well, in some. Unrelated, but also kind of related news out of the weekend. For those who listened to the pod last week, Reed and I set a friendly wager on the Red Sox-Yankees series over this past weekend. And I have to go on record saying that my Red Sox let me down. The Red Sox were swept. Not only did they lose the series, they were swept by the Yankees at home, which is, which is, it's not okay. That can't, that can't happen when you're making, when you're trying to make a playoff run. And it looks like, uh, Stanton homered in every game. He had a grand slam to put me into a Yankees Jersey. It was awesome. I watched, I cannot tell you how many times I have watched that grand slam. He hit that thing, I think, a million feet. The stat cast said 452. There's no way. I've seen him hit 450-foot bombs. That was bigger. It's 452 feet to the edge of the stadium where he no, hit No, the, the stadium distance doesn't matter for stat cast, right, which is why right. I'm like, okay, it went 452, but then I'm like, okay, I saw it go over the banner in left center field. It went over the banner, Blake, over the banner, and he just watched it. It was amazing. It's like the ultimate disrespect. It was amazing. Um, anyway, so so uh, when you come up here for Halloween, the Halloween game, I will hand off my Yankees jersey to you. I didn't think this moment would ever happen. It is a. Uh, it does have a sixty nine on the back. Nice. And you will proudly, you will proudly, proudly wear that to uh, the following home game that next week. Uh, I can't remember who you guys play, but I know we looked at it last week, last episode. You guys do have a home game. Uh, November 7th, we are home versus the Houston Texans. There you go. So you will be proudly sporting my Yankees 69 jersey into the stadium uh, where I know the photographers are always watching you. And it is going to be glorious, and you will wear it, and you will play the Texans that day. Can I wear it? And then happily send me a picture of you in my jersey after the game is over. Can I wear it for the Bills game and act like it's a Halloween costume that I'm dressing up as Reed? No. 
It needs to be a home game so people know that you are, in fact, a closet Yankees fan. This really Good. hurts. I'm glad. You can thank the Red Sox. So, uh, after that series, the Yankees, as of today, are two games in first and two games up on Boston uh, in the first wild card spot. They currently hold home field advantage for the one game playoff. And Boston is a half game up on Seattle for the second spot. So, uh, pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, it's gonna, I mean, there's five games left. It's going to come down to the wire. I'm I'm like holding on by every game that the Red Sox play at this point because well they yeah because they lost to the Orioles last night they're currently yes, beating they the Orioles at the moment Toronto three, is currently beating nothing. the Yankees and Seattle plays later tonight by the time we wake up in the morning the standings will be shuffled yet again there are six five, five games left including tonight for. The Red Sox, they have tonight and tomorrow night versus uh, in or they're in Baltimore, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday they're in Washington taking on the Fighting Bryce Harpers. It's gonna get tight. It's already tight, and it's gonna get tighter. I enjoy this time of year because I I love when it comes down to the wire, and I'm, this it's like playoff baseball before playoff baseball. Hopefully. Both the Red Sox and the Yankees will see each other in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. It's it's basically, you know, like you said, it's it's playoff baseball before you get to playoff baseball. That's why these last couple weeks are so intriguing. But, yeah, so I'm looking forward to uh, giving you my Yankees jersey when you come up here in a couple weeks uh, to play us. And then I will happily set the picture uh, as my background for a few days of you walking into Hard Rock Stadium with the 69 Yankees jersey on your back. Need I say more? Um, Thank you to everyone who has tuned in this week. Uh, We are having a blast putting out some content for you all. Uh, We are considering adding some live video or some streaming. So if you potentially be interested in viewing us live uh, as we stream the podcast during the week, uh, rather than listening to it, on your podcast app, uh, please let us know. We're happy to take all suggestions. But as always, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at After the Snap Pod. We'll be uh, keeping up the social feeds on there. Thank you again for your loyal listenership. This has been After the Snap. Tales from two brothers who live life upside down.